Ochoa. Boy, do I have a question for you today. <laughs> oh, I'm so nervous. All right, go ahead. Because you're getting, you're like laughing too hard here. I can't even start the episode. I have a question, and my question is Was there ever a time that you can remember in your academic career, whether okay. elementary, middle, high school, college, whatever, where you cheated on something and got caught? Well,. Okay, now let's really. I I did not cheat, <laughs> but the teacher said I did, and it was in math. Everyone's I mean, so innocent. I was innocent. I was in the first grade. I know the, I know the problem was six plus five equals eleven. And I looked over, and I guess she saw me look over. So I don't know if I was actually cheating, but I did see the answer and they answered 11. So I changed mine to 10. So I guess that's cheating. But in my mind, it was just an, an accident. You know, I saw their answer and realized I was they were right and I was wrong. So I got the she she. Uh, I really like that teacher, too. But anyway, she um, got mad at me, I guess. And. Back then, they spanked. So they took me to the closet, and she pulled out the paddle, and I got three licks for the number 11. Needless to say, math has always been a nemesis, and it started in the first grade because I was accused of cheating. Don't know for sure if I did, but I do remember the answer, so probably I did. But then I got home, and of course... You know, back then, if your parent, my dad worked in the system, so he knew I got in trouble before I ever even got home. So it wasn't good when I got home either. That's one that I remember, but it scared me to the point that I really tried not to in the in the later days. That's so interesting. What's that for an answer? Well, I got I got whooped for it. I did. It's not good. I think there is. uh it's an interesting thing because I think I don't I don't know it's human nature right and I it's so funny because in uh like certain contexts right Let, let's let's ignore or let's look at school and like the system that it is right you're trying to get a kid to understand something to get a concept to show their knowledge etc cetera, etc cetera. so it's important that they do their own work all this other stuff mm -hmm. but in reality right you take away the artificial barriers of society that we've kind of created cheating is really an evolutionary advantage right if <laughs> if they're building a pyramid over here <laughs> or a wall <laughs> i want to cheat and find what they're doing and make it better, right? That's innovation. So truthfully, huh, so was I being innovative? It's possible, right? <laughs> possible. I don't think that's how she saw it. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, the closet was dark. What I, what I, <laughs> I didn't want to go dark. back. <laughs> they really did take me to a closet. So I don't know funny. if it's a real closet, but it was at least the book room or the storage room or something. Oh. It was dark. <laughs> Had one light. What, what a different time <laughs> of education. Truthfully. I was just a little first grader. I mean, it worked. How and long we were you did, in there again? How long was I in where? The, the closet. Oh, not very long. Just long enough for her to give me three licks. <laughs> <laughs> They did put me in there like and kept me in there. That would have been probably more cruel than the licks. But I do remember getting the licks. And then in my second grade year, I got licks, too. And that was in reading circle. I talked in reading circle. Believe it or not, I talked during reading circle. And yeah. And then I got them again in the third grade. And then we Good came Lord. to the city and I never got them again. So they gave them in the country, but they didn't give them in the city. That's all I can tell you. <laughs> so, and it was for stupid little things like, like that, you know, like just looking over or talking. I don't know. 
Well, and that's uh, all of. I mean that that truthfully that's that's I feel like that's what a lot of this stuff is right and this is where I think that that circles back to us thinking through you know well we're kind of the the similar threads that we've talked about on the bonus episode of the podcast but also on the don't sweat the small stuff episode where it's like you know there's I think there's a lot of things that we artificially focus on a little too much now I'm not defending cheating here but it's <laughs> It's like, you know, the kid that looks over or whatever. It's like, I think there's there's smarter ways to think about some of this. And that's going to be our topic for today, because I feel like I'm going to go down all kinds of rabbit holes today, ladies and gentlemen. That's Pamela Trump, Jacob Chastain. We are two educators down here in the state of Texas doing what we love and in and out of the classroom. Oh, what are you saying? And apparently one of them cheats. <laughs> <laughs> Well, you never asked me how I passed math, so we're just going to move uh, along from that. Oh, oh, okay. <laughs> but in any case, this is Scrap the Draft. We talk about reading your writing workshop and so much more. We take questions from you guys. We take questions from our Patreon supporters, and we answer those often on bonus episodes that are only for our Patreon people. So if you like what you hear today, if this is your first time here, second time, fourth time, a hundredth time, then join us over there on Patreon. $5 gets you a bonus episode every single month. It gets you direct access to us, DMs, and so much more. You get early access to our training that we do. You can also support us at the Listener Plus tier where you get a bonus video pretty much every single month. Bonus episodes and get exclusive access to our live Zoom trainings that we do without any further costs to you. So go join us, listener, listener plus here. If you have not already, just like Alicia, Brandy, Leah, Mark, Amy, Sarah, Rebecca, Courtney, Carol, Melissa, Destiny, Lori, Natalie, Susan, Tracy, Andrea, Hannah, Lori, Jen, and Matt all do. We love them. We thank them. They keep the lights on on the podcast. But if you can't do that, if funds are too tight, subscribe to the podcast. That helps us as well. And review give us a five star rating over there on your podcast app that you use it helps us rank with all of the other wonderful podcasts that you should be listening to out there on the internet and it lets other educators know that craft and draft is the real deal and a place that they can come and feel seen by two real educators talking real shop about real public schools but without further ado ladies and gentlemen let's go talk about cheating <laughs> all right so this is on my mind recently because I don't know if you're if you if you're privy to this. We briefly mentioned it on a previous episode, I think maybe two ago. Mm-hmm. But there is this nefarious program. There's a few of them, but Chat GPT is really the main one. They're basically chat bots. If you think back, I don't know if you remember like kind of when the internet was really taking off. There were you know like the fake like uh, instant messengers that you could do online and it would mm-hmm. kind of talk back to you. It's basically those on crack is what these are okay. on steroids. And they're very good um, to the point that there's actually people like there's people like that write code for computer programs. They're actually presenting the the problem that needs to be solved to these chatbots and the chatbots are basically generating code for them. Oh, okay. And they're doing essays. They're answering like really like big questions. Like they're just doing a lot. People, bloggers are using them to write blog posts. Like, hey, I need a blog post about this, this, and this. And then it spits it out and then they edit it and revise it and it's good, right? And this is all free technology. And so lo and behold, guess what's happening, Miss Ochoa? Kids have found it and they're like, oh, you want an essay on why? Or who should be blamed for the death of Romeo and Juliet? (laughs) Chat GPT, help me out. And they get these little essays that spit out. Um, And they're they're really good. I mean, they're not like perfect. And for kids, that's how they get caught, right? Is because they don't know how to make it look (laughs) like their own. But... This is happening all over the place. There's, But there's people using it for really positive. And so right now, there's this huge debate happening in the educational space on whether these things should be banned. Obviously, what do schools do? Just like phones. Everything should be banned. Everything's evil. Rather than looking at it from, okay, so we can see the negatives of this, but what are the positives, right? So before we even get to that piece, though. Because I, I want to hit on all of that. I want to have that conversation about using something that can be negative for a positive, especially in schools. I want to talk about 
something that's more close to our philosophy of craft and draft, which is let's ignore that. How, how do we, let's assume it is bad and it is evil, right? There's no good side. How do you get kids from cheating? How do you keep them from cheating? What, what causes kids to cheat in schools? Do you think? Well, I mean, I think the demand to perform definitely creates a need to cheat, uh, to protect themselves. That creates a need to cheat. Uh, The fact that something is due (laughs) and they didn't, they stayed up all night and played that video game (laughs) definitely promotes a need to cheat. But I think really it's the focus on, on the end product way more than the process. And so what I have done, and that's one reason why I've always liked notebooks. I've always liked the fact that their work is all contained in one spot. Uh, Before we had computers where everybody turned everything in digitally and it was all where I was actually bringing home stacks, stacks of papers to grade. Uh, When they turned in their final paper, they and I'm just thinking about paper because you mentioned essay and that always is where my mind goes anyway, because that's probably sure. my first, my first thing. But anyway, um, but the fact that I've focused on process all these years, I could tell really fast if the student, you know, was cheating or they, they got, because, but I had all of the handwritten work. I had everything that they did. So when they turned something in, they had to turn in, their first, very first moment with that list that I always talk about. And then on top of that, they had to turn in their first draft. And then on top of that, they had to turn in their sharing notes and their conferencing notes. And then on top of that, they had to turn in their revising where they revised it. And then they had to edit. All this was done by hand. And it was always done in my classroom. One of the things that I do during workshop is I take, I give time for them to work on something. And so because I'm in there conferencing with them, I'm walking around the room, I talk to them about their work, I know their work, and they know that I know their work. And I think in the long run, that has, um, I wouldn't say completely erased any type of cheating. I'm not saying that never happens. But I think it minimized uh, places where cheating did occur. So that well, was one of the things, but they, it's the process focus to me is is very helpful. Well, which is why I thought this was a good topic for us, because for people who mm-hmm. aren't familiar with the craft and draft process, right? We, right. you know, we we spent a lot of our early episodes talking about how we were using it. And then naturally, because we're at episode, what, 134, 135, we've had to expand our, our, our talk a little bit just to kind of hit on some of the things. But it ultimately always comes back to the two journal system that we do right. in the process and something that we really advocate for. And for people that aren't familiar with that one, go check out. There's a lot of free episodes where we talk about it, but if you want to know it, we've done two trainings. We've talked about setting it up. We've talked about going through it, all the rationality behind the two journal systems. And we've done kind of the first five days of workshop using our two journal system craft and draft. So if that's something you're interested mm-hmm. in that jump over to Patreon, just do it for a month. If you just want those videos and pop out, it's fine, whatever. We don't think anything of it. That's why they exist there, but go over there, get that information because what I'm about to say is really relevant. And it's exactly what you just said, Ochoa, which is our journal system. What it does is it creates an authentic way for kids to show their work, but it also is an authentic way for you to track what kids are doing day in and day out. And if you're conferencing every single day, if you're having kids put their mini lessons in their craft book and put that number there and then tell us what mini lessons they're using in their writing and their assessments, or when you're sitting with them in their drafting, like, Oh, what, what I, you know, I know we've hit on a couple things here. What's a mini lesson that inspired this or, or something like that, right? And you're constantly having them have that language and constantly forcing them back into the lessons because they have the journal and it just doesn't go in one ear and out the other the next day. Guess what happens? They don't feel like it's some difficult performance because you're literally walking them through it and giving them all of these models that are right there all the time. 
right? We just had an interesting conversation. We just did instructional rounds at our campus. Um, and one thing one of the middle school principals noticed is that we, didn't have, we really didn't have any anchor charts at all at the high school level, right? Like not a single one. Okay. Um, and that's, I, they were saying that's pretty normal. I don't know. It's my first time in a high school. So I don't know. High school teachers out there, let me know if y'all do anchor charts a lot. But the, we, we, it was an interesting conversation because they're like, well, does it belong on high school walls and the middle school principal was like, well, I think it belongs on every wall. Like, <laughs> I, think, right. I think there should be evidence of, you know, what's there and it helps the kids. And I kept thinking, I was like, you know, the half the reason I wanted to work on a journal system like that we did for the craft book is because I hate anchor charts <laughs> because they're, oh my God. I hate making them. I don't want to put them up. I don't care. I, I want my walls decorated differently. But I knew they were important, right? I'm not disregarding that piece. I just didn't like them. And so same with the vocab walls or word walls. I was like, I want something different. I don't like that. And so the journal system kind of came up, in, at least in part because of that on my side when we were having the conversations about kind of designing it. But the it's that question, though, of how are you going to allow for kids to access knowledge at the tip of their fingers, right? In a way that isn't, um, uh, it's not a hurdle. And I think that's where it is, right? If you assign something, if you're a writing assigner and you assign an essay about whatever topic, let's say they choose a topic, they still have all of this gap and they have to sit, uh, synthesize all this information to create a product over a period of time. And they have to hit kind of these arbitrary deadlines of, okay, your rough draft needs to be here, et cetera, et cetera. But if you're going through the craft book and the draft book and you're having kids draft every day, and then as they write and get more volume, you start honing it in and then you challenge them to pick a piece and to focus on one thing, that process over time, not only do you have all the evidence for it, but the kid has access to all their knowledge so they don't feel like they're just grabbing stuff randomly because we all know that transfer of knowledge is one of the most difficult things in education to happen. But you remove all of these barriers, right? And I think that's where a lot of the cheating comes from. I see it a lot at the high school level. It's because these kids are challenged to write really difficult papers that are good for them to write. But there's there's not a lot of supports, Um to do that. But I know even to this day, when I want to write something, I go, I look at models, right? Every book that I've written, every article, blog post, every post for the website, like it's all modeled after something, right? Mm -hmm. It's none of it just comes from thin air, but that's because I've, I've been trained enough to do that. I go, okay, I want to write this was, you know, if I want to write about writing, I'll read someone else. I'm like, oh yeah, that, that, how they say that. And I'll kind of mess with it and, and do my own thing. But I have those scaffolds. And so I think just to reiterate, that's, that's such a key piece is, is giving kids access to enough things that it doesn't seem like an impossible task. Cause the more impossible it is, I think the more likelihood that they're just going to be like, ah, screw it. I'm going to cheat. Oh yeah. And, and that's what I mean by the demand of the, of the end product. Cause it's, they don't want to, to fail, but a lot of times, though, I mentioned a minute ago, and that's that time. I think when you get up to high school, when you get up to, you know, right now I have a little bit of a luxury on time. And that is the fact that in middle school, there's, you know, our classes, we might have just an English class or we may have uh, the blog, you know, so it feels like you have more time. Um, but the luxury of time is where do you spend that time at the high school level? Where do you spend that time even at the elementary level? Uh, what do you do with the time that you have? And do you give kids time to work? And I think if you give them time to work, that also eliminates uh, a lot of the cheating. Now, I will tell you, though, I did have two young men um, this year because I actually had the kids write a play and some of them are really pretty good. And they we were studying drama and they actually had to write their cast of characters. We studied how dialogue looked and they even italicized their stage directions and capitalized, you know, so we even looked at the model and how that, you know, several models. So they imitated that. But I was reading these two boys, they sit close together and uh, and one of them, is struggling on well they're both english language learners right so already i'm asking them to not just take the english language but to take the english language and put it in a form that they're not that familiar with 
And so they decided that it was a group effort. <laughs> so so uh, that's not what I said, but that's what they decided. So they both turned in the same exact play and it was theirs. I mean, in other words, it was not anything that I found out there. So I think it was unique to them, but they did it together. And so I had a decision to make. I, I needed to know that both of them could work independently. So I had, um, uh, so I had them again, create a second, uh, you know, figured out who had the main idea. And then the one who didn't have the main idea, once we had a conversation, then he had to write an, a second act or not a second act, but the next act so that I could see his work. Cause I could clearly see the one that had the stronger language. So I needed the other one to have a second act. And so then I let them turn in that that next act. And uh, so that's how I handled that. Now, my dad, when it comes to cheating, my dad was a math teacher. So here's what he would do. If he found out that two kids turned in the same paper, the same answers, and he knew that they were cheating, he would take that score and he would give them like, so let's say they made a 100 because, you know, if you're going to cheat, don't cheat again with somebody that's not as smart as you. I mean, you got to cheat with yeah. somebody that's smarter than you. Yeah, you know what I mean? a lot of them get in trouble. <laughs> They're like, dude, you missed the same one. Get what, you know, get it where somebody's going to get it correct. So anyway, so let's say they take that 100. So what he would do is he'd go, all right, fellas, looks like, or, or girls, it looks like y'all both uh, looked work together today. And this was not a, a together assignment, so partner assignment. So what we're going to do is we're going to take that 100 and we're going to divide it. We're two of you. So we're going to divide it by two. So that gives you a 50 and you a 50. <laughs> so since y'all work together, you're going to share the grade. I <laughs> like, so uh, I tried that. I've tried that over the years, especially for like multiple choice type stuff. And they were, I'm like, okay, so let's see, you made an 80. So 80 divided by two. And they're like, what? And I said, yeah, you're going to share the grade. And inevitably the kids are like, no, 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 no. We don't want a 40. And I'm like, okay, well then figure it, take care of it. Let's redo something. And so I give them a different assignment and then they would. So I've done that too. So anyway, it's kind of fun. That was just me having fun with them, but it, it you know, okay, let's just divide it in half. So one thing I feel like we have to hit on in terms of getting kids okay. not to cheat is mm -hmm. I think, and this is, I say this to any teacher who talks about this, um, whether I work with them or uh, we're DMing or emailing or whatever. If you have a problem with kids cheating, your assignments and your task are not authentic enough, meaning mm -hmm. it's not coming from them, whatever it is, right? Because what happens <clears throat> is we spend so much time trying to get kids engaged and get them, uh, invested in the work we're like come on don't you want to write about this don't you want to write all of this and kids are like no nah, no nah. they're like oh my god all the kids are apathetic okay so let's get them to write so much and get so invested whenever they're writing and get so emotionally attached to stuff that they wouldn't dare cheat because if they cheat on their piece it's not going to be theirs. It's not going to be their emotion. Only they can write about their dad. Only they can write about mm -hmm. their heartbreak. Only they can write about their fears, their anxieties, their hopes and dreams, right? And so the more you can wedge that into the classroom, I think the better. Now, the, the harder question is in reading, right? Which is, okay, mm -hmm. so how do you do that in reading? Okay, well, you you can't cheat on how you physically reacted to an intense part in a book that you love, right? You you can't right. fake that, or at least you don't want to. You <laughs> When you're having a great time, you don't want to mimic someone else's emotion. <laughs> like, right. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, uh -huh. it, you want to say what your thoughts on it are, what it made you react with. And I think that is the bread and butter of keeping kids academically honest. Now, is that possible in every lesson in every day? I mean, probably, but is, is it likely? No, like <laughs> you're, there's going to be times where you have to show kids something that they're not engaged in or something that you think is going to engage them and it doesn't. And there's going to be times where they don't want to write. So they try to take the easy way out. But I mean, we're not, it's not, it's not whack-a-mole, right? You, you go for the stuff that gives you the best results and then you, you handle the other things as you go. Right. And mm -hmm. so I just think that authenticity is, is the meat of it, right? The, I think in, 
at the height of my, you know, writing workshop specifically the last three years, I think I maybe had two kids try to turn in something and they were the kids that didn't do the work, right? They're the kids who, when I went into conference with them, they never had anything. And then they would show up, you know, the, (laughs) the Friday when everything needed to be turned in and be like, oh, here it is. And then, you know what? I Google it and it's some random thing they found on Instagram or whatever. Um, Right. And, but those, that was easily spotted and I could find it. And honestly, what happened when a lot of that did happen for kids, like some kids just had like anxiety about writing. I had one uh, last year. He did this. He, He was super anxious about his writing. He didn't have any grammatical, like prowess at all. Like it was, it was pretty bad. I mean, he was probably writing like on a second grade level. Um, right. His words were decent, but just the construction sentence, uh, you know, uh, writing mechanics, all that stuff, just really, really poor. So he cheated the first time I caught him, called him out on it. I didn't give him a zero. I gave him a 50. Didn't want to ruin his life, but I said, you got to do it again. And we're going to write something specifically this time. And he's like, well, I can't write a full page. And I said, I don't want you to write a full page. I want you to write something that you honestly care about, that you honestly want to say. It could be about anything. It can be about a video game, a movie. It could be about your mom. It could be, be it could be something depressing. It could be something personal. I'm not asking for anything specific. So you write something that you care about, whatever that is. And so we conferenced a handful of times. Then he ended up, he turned it, I think it was like three sentences. But it ended up being about like being misunderstood or something like that. And it was awesome. Now, did he have the writing mechanics there? No. Did he have, was it uh, constructed well? No. But was it something honest? Was it true? And did he care about it? And was it his? Yes. And so guess what? I, as the writing teacher, can work with that all day long. Because guess what we did? He turned that in. The grade was fixed, et cetera, et cetera. We went back and I said, okay, so your grade's fixed, but now let's work on this and make it something that people can read. Right. <laughs> so... But he never did it again. He always did that. And so he got really comfortable doing that. He'd be like, okay, so I've written this. Can you help me kind of tighten it up a little bit? And I was like, absolutely. And so guess what, though? He made tons of growth by the end of the year because he realized that I was going, I wasn't going to destroy him for cheating, but I was going to praise him endlessly for writing. And I wasn't going to judge him, right? It was my job is to teach him. I'm not going to sit there and give the kids 20s because he doesn't know how to use a period or a comma or a capital letter. I'm going to sit there and honor the work he's doing so that he does it more. And right. I, I think that, that I, 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 I don't know. I just, to me, that is, that is the anti cheat of teaching because you, mm-hmm. you kids don't want to, they don't want to cheat you out of something. If they know that you're looking forward to their writing, even if you're not right. Like I don't love everything every kid writes, but they feel that way. They absolutely feel like I want to read every single thing. You've seen it. Those kids that were with me for a mm-hmm. long time, where they chastain, come, come read this, come read this, come read this. You walk up to I them know. and they go, you're not chastain. You're not chastain. <laughs> Dude, I'll never be you. That's why I said. I'll never be him. But I'll tell you what, if he's too busy, I'll come back. And then and they sure did enough, what? Then they would share because you were too busy helping all these other people. But then what happened, though, because you showed the time they started trusting you. It's it's a process, right? right. They just had right. so much time with me. They trusted me. But and yeah. I think that if anyone's having those issues, I think that is that's that's where it's at. I don't know. You have any uh, yeah. thoughts on that before we move on to how to use technology? <laughs> that's evil. <laughs> well, no, I just I just really do believe that. Um again, in that process. But I, I had a thought on your, your student, uh, the one that, uh, you know, wrote a, wrote a line. There's a, there's a, a strategy that we use in, in Abydos. It's in the, uh, Dr. Carroll's, uh, uh, what is it? Depth of writing. I don't have it in front of me, but it's a uh, depth of writing. So, um, uh, anyway, it's called depth charge. And uh, so you take like what he wrote, like you said that he wrote in uh, being invisible, right? I misunderstood. So then what I would have him do is he'd circle the word misunderstood or he'd choose, he'd actually choose the word. So I'd say, which word stands out to you more than any other word in that sentence you just drew, you wrote and probably misunderstood. So you circle misunderstood. Okay. Now tell me about misunderstood. So write the next sentence about being misunderstood. Mm -hmm. And so then, then I said, okay, find another sentence. I mean, another word in the next sentence. And I have gotten more 
a lot. I mean, a lot of bang for my buck, but they, they go deeper and they start explaining themselves. And then the next thing you know, they're like, Mr. Cho, I just got finished writing like five sentences and I can only write one, but they kind of, you just kind of walk them through it. So the same idea of teaching them, you got to teach them, but you also have to teach them how to get to that next sentence. So it's pretty cool. Like you said, you, you, now you're, you got something authentic from them. Now work with that and they won't want to cheat again. So I agree with you there. Well, Ms. Ochoa. Computers, technology. Well, and this is what it's tied to, right? It's tied to, we want to blame all of these things. And schools are jumping to banning everything under the sun. Mm -hmm. They they jump to banning phones, blah, blah, blah. I know there's there's pros and cons to it. I don't want to get into that debate. My debate is, is connected to the cheating conversation, which is there's this new technology out there. Why? And my question to you to kind of start this is, why do we instantly, of course, things are going to be used for nefarious reasons, right? Like the internet is incredible. It's also like the worst thing humanity's ever done to each other. Like <laughs> social it's media, true. incredibly powerful, connects us to all kinds of people. We, we know more about each other's lives and lives about people in other countries faster and more instantaneous than ever because of the power of social media. Undeniably a boon for civilization. However, it also ruins people's lives. It causes addiction. It causes uh, self-esteem issues. It causes uh, all, all kinds of things that are negative to humanity, right? Mm-hmm. But that's just kind of the nature of where we're at. Technology is like this double-edged sword with everything. And I feel like oftentimes, though, education... We're just so like as a group, I feel like we're kind of dumb. Like we just we overreact to like what technology is. And I know you've talked about like you were the first teacher to have like, you know, Apple computers in your classroom. And so you you've had like this experience through multiple generations. And my question to you from that perspective is. Has it all like did did were people terrified of that computer or do you feel like the fear of technology and the resistance of it has happened more and more as technology is becoming more ubiquitous and more dangerous, so to speak? I think the more ubiquitous it is, like you said, which is one of my favorite words. So I had to say it again. But anyway, the the more it's around, I think the more restrictions they're trying to put on it. It's kind of interesting. We, um, you, you mentioned the fact that when we first had, we had the little small Apple Square. That was the the first one. And we tried to do grade book. It didn't work out. So we all had to go back to our handwritten grade books. But, um, but anyway, uh, on that, you, um, I just remember everybody was just like, you know, what we only had like one classroom. And if you were fortunate, you had a station and a station would be your second, the teacher one, and then one station for your entire class to share. And everybody was wanting more and wanting more. And so then, yeah, I was the first teacher in our district to actually have um, laptops uh, being used in the classroom on a daily basis. And that was before we had all this stuff that we can do now. You know, we didn't have all those programs. You didn't have it. So you had to be kind of creative on how to use it. But um, I I do think now, you know, like phones, phones. Let's just talk about phones for a second. So I worked at an affluent school, right? Uh, for a while, uh, opposite of where we work now, which is not an affluent school. So I've been on both sides of our district. And in this case with phones, we were not a title one school. Okay. So we did not have the technology that all the other class schools had because so our technology where the kid, but every kid had a phone. Does that make sense at the time? It's not when it was not at a time when everybody kid, every kid had a phone. So the way I handled that was I needed the students to be able to look stuff up. I needed, I wanted them to embrace technology. I wanted them like if they had a, a, a question at that time, uh, we didn't have computers in the classroom at this particular school. And so what I would do is I would, I would, I would have them take their computers, their, their, their phones, and they would put it on their desk upside down. And then when it came time to work on it, 
then they would ask permission, do you mind if I look something up? And they would pick it up and look it up, and then they would put it back down. And that was kind of how I controlled it. But we nobody walked around and said, uh, walked in and, and took phones out of their hands. Um, nobody took them up, you know, unless they were just, uh, you know, doing something bad with them, like taking pictures of people where they shouldn't be, you know, that kind of thing. But but for the most part, in the classroom, I use them for an educational purpose. I mean, it's so much faster for them. Like if I want to know, like the word ubiquitous, if I want to use it in the classroom, I say, okay, can somebody tell me what ubiquitous means? Well, I know what it means, but I want them. So real fast, pull out your phone, look it up real quick. So what does it mean? You know, that's a lot faster than the dictionary. I, I just not There's a time for dictionary use, but if I want to do something really fast, the phone is the fastest way to do it. And so, so, you know, I would embrace it. And I think because, because we did use my note, I used a different notebook system, but I always use notebooks, right? I always did the process. And because of that, I wasn't worried about the computer. I wasn't worried about the telephone. Uh, we used it to help them look stuff up for their, for their topics. We use it to research. We used it to uh, communicate, you know, those types of things. And then now we have one-to-one, everybody has a Chromebook and now we're like, no Chromebooks. You can't have a Chromebook. And it's like, you just gave them a Chromebook. So why are you giving them a Chromebook? And then you're telling them they can't use it. It's like, it doesn't make sense. I would say embrace it. And then you'll have less problems. You just have to put parameters around how you use it. So what I do right now is I'll, I mean, I use, um, uh, you know, learning management system, uh, canvas, right? All my kids turn all of their work in canvas, which means it has to be digitalized at some point. And, but so what, but what I have though, is they take pictures of their notebooks and then they type their final product. So I have a picture of their of their first draft, they turn mm -hmm, it in mm -hmm. with their actual final product that's all typed and they keep it in the writing portfolios that you were, um, you know, you had everybody create last year that my kids are still using those writing portfolios because mm -hmm. we're just, we just add another folder in the one that they have for this year. Mm -hmm. And so the kids, they just use it. They turn their stuff in. They have a whole portfolio of everything. I don't know why we will not embrace the things that these kids have. Use it, figure out a way to use it that helps you because really, truly, it, it builds literacy and it builds literacy faster, way faster than me going down there. Okay, way back when on the ditto machine, remember we talked about that a few years back, the ditto machine, you didn't even know what it was, you know, the, the purple ink paper, I'm over there cranking that thing up and just, just so they can learn the word ubiquitous. Think about it. Now all I have to do is they just look it up real quick. If we know what it is, let's move on. Um, throw it up there on the wall. Whatever. But the whole thing is, is what I'm seeing now, it just it really breaks my heart because I'll, you know, there, there, you give these things to the kids, you and then you tell them you can't use it, you can't use it, you can't use it. And so they're frustrated because where did they get their knowledge all day long? when they're in the summer, when they go home. So instead of fighting them on something that's actually almost like an appendage, you know, then you just embrace it and figure out a way to use it positively in your classroom. I'm done on my soapbox. No, I mean, you're, you're preaching to the choir here because this is, I mean, I, kids always had phones out in my class. I mean, that's just true. And uh, that is true. I'm probably too <laughs> detriment sometimes, but, um, <clears throat> sorry. Uh, it really was something that I, I just see it as, as a tool and right. I had so little issues, uh, with a lot of it because if it ever became something that was way too distracting or if there was drama happening that day or something, I'm like, all right, you, you're on it too much. Come on, put it away. 
or you know, I'll take it up mm-hmm. and like, oh, Chastain never takes it up. Just give it to him. He'll give it back. Right. It's like this almost like mutual respect that I'm not out here to get you. I'm not doing any of this stuff. I'm not. I understand it's a personal device. It is what it is. Let's just we got to be we got to be mindful. Right. I'm because here's the thing. I'm checking my phone in class. Right. Like <laughs> I do it. Uh, you know, I send a text or uh, check something on social media or check an email, right? That stuff, like, it's just, it's in my culture. I've grown up with it. Like, it is what it is. It's going to happen. And so, uh, but I don't do it while I'm teaching, right? If I'm in the middle oh, okay. of okay. I feel better now. I was a little nervous. I, you know, if I'm conferring with them, I'm giving them all my time. But we would, we would often do that. Like, kids, it would be so funny. Like you said, like having them look up a word or something, they'd be like, no, I don't, I don't know what's a, like a better word for this. I'm like, you have a phone and I'm like, oh, I can use it. I'm like, yeah. Like, and so <clears throat> it's almost like just coaching them through that piece. But what, like what you said, right. Let's go back to districts all over the place have decided to make kids go one-to-one, especially after COVID. Mm-hmm. And then we have the audacity to say technology is evil, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, Technology is bad. There's too much technology in the classroom. We, we liked Chromebooks because we could control them. So you ban the phones, you give them Chromebooks. Guess what? Kids were smart enough on Chromebooks. They figured out how to talk to each other through Chromebooks. They figured out how to play games through those. They figure out how to get around the web blockers and everything else. Okay. You know how you fight that as well? You make your lessons and the tasks that you're giving to kids so interesting that they don't want to do those things. And then I've seen it on Twitter and good Lord. Oh my God. I don't even want to talk about it, but like there's people on Twitter who are like, yeah, you're asking me to be more entertaining than social media or video game. No, I'm not. I'm saying be entertaining enough that kids respect you and want to be a part of this, right? They have to ultimately choose it, right? No one, no lesson or teacher is ever going to be as amazing as whatever video game they're addicted to. It's just not going to happen, but kids all the time, choose to invest in something else than just their video games. They do it. They do it on all kinds of things, right? They do it with personal time with friends. They do it um, for family members. They do it for church. They do all of these things, right? Your lesson just has to be something that engages them enough and that you honor them and honor who they are and respect them enough that they're like, okay, I'll do it. Like Ocho is asking me to do this. I got you. Right. And you know, the kids that you have those relationships with, they would rather be doing other things. You and I have had success with kids who straight up hate English. They hate reading, they hate writing, but they do it for us. That's true. I have one right now that, um, shoot, he got, he got in trouble the other day and he never gets in trouble for me. He did at the very beginning. But I figured it out. He would rather be on his computer. He is addicted, it seems. Yeah, most of them are. <laughs> you know, like he just can't. He just can't. He just can't. And so, you know, he keeps opening the computer and I'm like, OK. So um, so what I do there is I'm like, OK, at this moment in time, everybody close their computers. You'll be able to open them in a minute. But right now I've got to talk to you. This is and we're going to get out our notebooks, you know, our craft and draft books. And, you know, I do all of that. And then I say, okay, now open up your computers, take pictures of your notes. Let's turn those in because I have them take pictures of their notes and turn them in. And not every one of them, but, you know, periodically. Um, But then with him, he's like, he just loves video games. And so let's say there's a character, right? And that he's reading about because I'm making him read. He's not real happy about it, but he likes to read mainly on Sora, you know, Mm -hmm, so I'll mm -hmm. go back there. He's reading on on Sora. So I'm like, okay, but here's what I want you to do. You love video games. You seems like you're liking this book. I want you to explain to me in your notebook. What type of game would your character that you're reading about play? So now. Start looking them up. See what you would do. You know, uh, I've even had one. He's all into Minecraft. And he loves coding. Having code. I mean, use coding to your advantage and get them to write about coding. Tell them to write, you know, create a set. Create something that allows them to interact with the computer as they are doing the work you want them to do. So what you do is you take the you take that computer and you embrace it. And you use it to your advantage to get them to start working. Next thing you know, they're like, like the other day I did this. My kid that loves to mine, he he doesn't like school. And he's like, he's quitting. Well, he's over here, you know, he, he's going to be a computer coder. 
I did something similar. Had him use, uh, he likes Minecraft. That's his main one, but he's now doing some other stuff. But anyway, I'm like, okay, well, tell me all about it. Tell me what you're doing. Write it all down. So now he's writing it down. I even told him he has trouble with uh, handwriting, right? And he even has trouble sometimes typing words. So I said, well, use your dictation uh, app. So now he's using the dictation app. I'm able to at least see, you know, he doesn't do it all the time because I need him to be able to type, you know, because he's not going to be able to use that. But I'm just saying that kind of got some buy-in from him. And now the other day he came in, when I say the other day, it's probably about a month or two ago, but he comes in and he goes, and I've only had him since January, so I haven't had him very long. But he comes in and he goes, you have the best work. I don't mind working for you. And he's all telling me about how much. And and his mother told me that she's never seen him turn in so much work. And it's all because I've taken what he does in the computer world and helped him apply it to um, the lessons I want him to do. He's still writing. He's still creating. He's still reading. He's still comparing and contrasting, right? So anyway, that's what I try to do. Well, and that's this goes back to and I've had this conversation on Teach Me Teacher through several different avenues. I feel like I've had the technology discussion with people who are big proponents of it. I've had people on the podcast who are anti proponents of it. I've had people who are like teach everything through kids interest and choice. And I've had people that said that's nonsense. There should be a canon of knowledge that you have to teach kids. Right. I've listened to people and I've heard all the arguments and depending on my day depends on the spectrum I'm on. But, you know, for tonight and where I'm honestly at with a lot of it, most of the time is, you know, back to the, the boon of technology, kids have access to everything. You can read every great piece of literature as long as you know what to look for. Right. You can get access mm -hmm. to anything you want. The mm -hmm. the greatest knowledge out there can be found with a couple clicks. We've never had that before in history. And so when you think about education and getting kids to really understand and, you know, when you think about what does it mean to be educated today? I don't know. I would argue being educated today means being able to read a variety of texts to gain information, gain insight and gain entertainment to be able to communicate your thoughts, feelings and emotions effectively to a wide variety of audiences to be able to have a strong enough control of the sciences, the arts numeracy to navigate all the different worlds of that. But after that, I don't think there is really much that schools need to do other than hone those skills for the increasingly complex world that they go into, right? If you are a strong reader, for instance, but the only things you've read are very school things. So you've only read four novels a year, best case scenario, right? Mm -hmm. um, you've only read very specific articles that are handpicked by schools and, and computer programs, whatnot. Go out to the real world and you're trying to navigate all this news, political propaganda, contracts, um, uh, business deals, et cetera, et cetera. You're going to be really lost. You're not going to be able to navigate that. Um, and so it, when I think about it, it's like, the way we get kids to engage authentically is through meeting them where they're at, giving them a safe place to fail in a way that's not punitive. That's a whole other conversation. We should probably, maybe that could be next week episode. Okay. We talk about how to make failure something positive. Um, give them the tools that they need to navigate their world and then teach to the standards. Use your data and grow kids over time. You do that, and I think kids are, they're going to cheat less. They're going to feel less negative about your class, about school, about everything else. And before you know it, you have a group of people who are educated, and they can go off and do whatever they want with their lives, right? Not everyone. Mm -hmm. Like, I was uh, talking to someone the other day. I, I think I mentioned this on the bonus episode, but I was reading some Charles Dickens, Great Expectations, and I people hate that book. Like they despise it. They're like, I'm never reading Dickens and they want to go off and they want to read their other stuff. And that's fine. Right. I'm the opposite. I'm like, I don't want to read your trash thriller. I want to read this. So it's like, <laughs> but not everyone does that. Not everyone needs to read the classic literature. 
not it just it's not true. Not everyone needs to know advanced mathematics. Not everyone needs to know the ins and outs of biology. Should you have a fundamental grasp of all of those things in order to function as a human? Yeah. Should you be the apex of all of them? No. I would argue most people aren't apexes of any of them. And so you it's <laughs> it's just the way life is. And I, I think we I think we focus too much on those small details. Um when really we should be going, okay, what, what is this technology doing? Can I use it to help my kids? Can I teach them to use it for their advantage? How, I mean, how cool is that, right? Ochoa, I challenge you, figure out chat GPT or one of these things. Have your kids write a, like a simple thing on it and then have them edit it and review it. How cool would that be? Just having them actually go through and find the flaws in something that's super advanced. I don't know if you want to open up that can of worms, but I would. I mean, if it was me, I would be like, let's throw it out there and see what happens. And then have let's see what kids think about it. How could we use this? How could we use this as maybe an idea generator? Or how could we use this to... Um, you know, oh, I have an idea for an article, right? Or a research paper. Okay, chat GPT, you know, you plug it in or whatever and you have it do it. And then you have a kid analyzing like, oh, this is a good model for me. So they use that as their own. I mean, let's think here, people, right? It would be so freaking cool. But that's all I have. You have anything else? No, I just think uh, what you're saying is great. And I would say just... I, you know, I, I guess what keep it engaging, keep it student centered, um, get involved in what they're learning yourself as a teacher. And what I mean by that is, you know, being there, knowing what they're doing, um, use those notebooks to help you keep them from cheating and don't don't get so worked up. Use it to your advantage, you know, figure out a way, like you said, to. You know, a lot of times I just would give it back to them and say, okay, let's make it more yours. You know, how can you do that or model it? Let's see if you can create something uh, different with it. So, I, no, I agree. I, I think that um, I really don't have anything else to say. I think you really did a good job. So with that, everybody, go ahead. Oh, I thought you were going to do it. <sighs> I, I, I get too nervous. <laughs> With that, everybody, that's a crafted draft, and I am Pam Ochoa. That's Jacob Chastain, and you do the rest because now oh, I don't know. Oh my do. goodness, ladies and gentlemen, come back <laughs> next week if you enjoy this episode. We drop them every there single Friday. If you want bonus episodes, bonus training, access to the craft and draft demo videos, if you liked what we were talking about, if you want to get kids to use authentic practices in order to get them to show their work in your classroom, but not hate it and actually use it to their advantage and to your advantage, the craft book and draft book system is worth it if we do say so ourselves we have several videos over there at the listener plus tier go over there check it out jump in for a month get that information jump out stay with us for a while to get those bonus episodes whatever you want to do there's so much content over there but that's why we do it for you we just dropped a bonus episode this week as of time of hearing this it'll be out um, all about answering two listener questions and so much more we've done a lot of this so go check it out there subscribe if you haven't already leave a review of it already and come back next week and know that we are here for you.